the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. Scripture is all about us loving God and loving one another. All the stories of the Bible and all the illustrations that you find in Scripture and the messages of Jesus and the instructions of the Apostle Paul and James and the various apostles point to not only loving and serving God, but also learning how to get along well and work well and love one another. It's a part of our Christian faith. In fact, Jesus said that they will know we're his disciples by our love for one another. And love is a practical thing. Love is not some ethereal thing. It's a real thing that people actually demonstrate or learn to demonstrate toward others. Today I'm going to draw your attention to one primary passage of Scripture. It's in the the book of James, chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. I'm going to ask you to read it with me. Let's all read together loud and loudly as we declare God's Word. Are you ready? Here we go. My dearest brothers and sisters, take this to heart. Let's stop there just for a moment. So my dearest brothers and sisters, who is that? That's you and me. That's all of us. But please notice what James the Apostle says. Take this where? To heart. Not just in your head. This is something you need to get in your heart. Why? Because it needs to become a part of your nature, a part of your natural response in relationships. So my dearest brothers and sisters, take this to heart. What are we to take to heart? Here it is. Be Read with me, quick to listen, but slow to speak, and be slow to become angry. For human anger is never a legitimate tool to promote God's righteous purpose. We are to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. One quick, two slows. Quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Would you repeat those with me? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Now, the problem we have in most of our relationships is we we live this in reverse. Most of the time, we are slow to listen, we're quick to speak, and we're quick to become angry. And we wonder, why are we having so many problems in our relationship? Well, could it be that we're actually going directly against what God says in his word is relationship wisdom? And so often that is the case, that when you are slow to listen and you're quick to speak and quick to become angry, you certainly are going to have relationship problems. And that's why James, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says, get this where, not just in your head, but get it in your, your heart. Get this in your heart so it becomes the natural way that you live. It's your character 
and you're quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry because when you're reacting in anger, you'll never accomplish the good thing that God wants to accomplish in and through your life. So I'm going to talk today about three things around this passage of Scripture. Three things that go along with communication. Here's our first point for today. If we're going to relate well to other people, we must understand two aspects of communication that are defined by this verse or these verses, verbal and nonverbal communication. James talks about both. Listening is a nonverbal skill. Speaking Dealing with anger, these are verbal communication skills. So anytime you're communicating with another person, it is not one-dimensional. It includes multiple dimensions, certainly including what you say and how you say what you say, verbal and nonverbal. So it's vital that we learn how to do both well. Now, I'm going to give you some surprises today when it comes to communication. Maybe you've never thought about uh, this these aspects of communication very thoroughly, and I want to help you to understand how this works in your life. Because again, our talking, our interaction with one another is, is a part, is made up of these two parts. Let's take, it, take a look at the, the, the percentages that go along with this. Your actual words, what you say to another person, only makes up about 7% of your communication. Think about that for a moment. That's very depressing to a pastor. You're going to get about 7% of what I say today, okay? About 7%. That's why I repeat my messages sometimes, because you need to hear. That's why you'll find in the Bible repeated themes in Scripture, because about 7% of the time you're going to get what's said. So 7% of your communication to another person is found in the actual words that you speak. 38% of your communication with another person is found in the tone of your words. Tone is the, 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 the force or the emotion that is communicated with it. For example, with my wife, I can say to my wife, honey, I love you. Or I can say, honey, I love you. That's exaggerated, obviously, but... One communicates differently from the other. Same words, correct? Honey, I love you. The words did not change, but everything changed about the message. Why? Because of my tone of voice. And so 7% my actual words, but now can you see that 38% of how powerful my tone was when I said what I said? So 38%. This next one perhaps may really shock you. 55% of your communication will be your posture or other nonverbals. Your body language would be another way to say it. How you're posturing your body, your facial expressions when you say something. Think about this. 55% of your communication has to do with your facial expression, your body posture toward another person, which means this. It means that 93% of your communication has little or nothing to do with your words. Isn't that amazing? 93% of your communication has little to do with your words. Your verbal aspect of communication is far less impacting than your nonverbal communication. Now, how do we actually improve in this area? 
because most conflicts in relationships are not centered around the words that are said, but most conflict is centered around how someone says something, the way something is said, or what is communicated non-verbally. So how do we improve this area? This is where we get the most bang for our buck, right? If we work mostly on this area, then obviously we can improve communication significantly. Now let's go to our second point together. I'm going to talk about one key aspect of your nonverbals, and it's the very thing that James points out to us in the beginning of his message to us in, John, in James chapter 1. He says that we are to be quick to listen. So listening is a vital interpersonal skill. It's a vital nonverbal skill in your relationship. So the question becomes, how do we become better listeners? Because if you can be a better listener, that's going to increase that 93% capacity that you have in communicating with other people well. Now, before I talk about this listening skill, I want to talk about different dimensions of relationships just for a moment. So I will digress just briefly here for a moment. Listening becomes more important the deeper a conversation is. And there are three levels of conversations that we have with people. They're what we often refer to as mouth-to-mouth communication, head-to-head communication, and heart-to-heart communication. Mouth-to-mouth communication is chit-chat. You're just sort of chatting about the day, nothing really serious going on. You're just sort of talking, general sort of interaction with each other, nothing really serious, a part of of the conversation. Head-to-head is when you're talking about ideas or you're making decisions about something. You're working something out. They're ideas or information, something that you're putting your minds to together. And then, of course, heart-to-heart is when you're sharing the most intimate aspects and emotions of your life. The deeper you go from mouth-to-mouth to head-to-head to heart-to-heart, the more important listening becomes. So how do we improve our listening skills? I'm going to give you very quickly seven things that will make you a better listener. Are you ready to learn these things today? Now, let me say something before I get into these things. I'm still working on these things myself. Ask my wife. Okay? I'm still working. I haven't arrived yet. So I'm not standing here today as an expert to tell you, hey, this is how you do it. I'm telling you this is how you do it because this is the goal that we're pursuing and we can all get better at these things, amen? We can all improve on them. So what are the seven skills? Here's the first skill. You've got to be present and focused in the conversation. By present, I don't mean in the room. I mean present like I'm engaging in this conversation with you and I'm focused on what you're saying. That's where listening starts. You have to deal with with something called distraction. Or actually, I'm going to add an S, distractions. Okay. And oftentimes, the reason that we don't have very good interactions is because we're not present when a conversation is going on. We're in the room, but we're not focused on what's going on. And the biggest culprit today, and I'm going to meddle with you just a little bit here, and it's okay, it'll be all right once we get past it, and it'll help you. But one of the things that's the, one of the biggest distractions in our lives today is something called your smartphone. Amen. Okay? That you have this little piece of plastic and electronics that you carry around with you and you're in love with it. Oh, my phone. Instagram. Facebook. Okay? It's the first thing you pick up in the morning. 
Some of you have already had a surgery and it's attached to your hand, okay? <laughs> the last thing you lay down at night, some of you wake up in the middle of the night to play with your phone, okay? Now, I'm, I'm all in favor of technology. It's a great thing. But you know it's, it's one of the biggest distractions to relationships right now? Amen. Think about how many times you're fellowshipping with a piece of plastic, glass, and electronics when there are people you love all around you. Amen? Amen. You've got your kids in the room. Your spouse is in the room. Friends are in the room. And what are, where are you looking? At people who aren't in the room. Okay? That could care less about what you're doing. Okay? And so you're, you're engaging with something that's distracting you from the most important relationships in your life. Use your phone as a great thing to do, but know when not to use it as well. Some families have learned the value when they have a family meal together. They have something called a family phone box. And so everybody has to put their phone in the box. Okay? I'm not going to have a phone around the, the dinner table. My wife and I learned a few years ago that when we went out to dinner together that we, well, because we, we, we would all have the tendency to pick up our phone and be looking at our phone while we were waiting for the meal to come. And then we decided, no, we're not going to do that. Let's put our phones away. So we made ourselves put our phones away. There's a lot of silence that happened then, okay? <laughs> but nevertheless, we made the decision and we, we, we've learned that pattern. But you have to break the, the addiction to that little device that you carry around with you. Let it serve you. Don't serve it. Amen? Amen. Use it as something that is a tool for you, but don't let it master you because it becomes a distraction to listening. So be present and be focused. Number two, turn towards the person. Lean in. Dr. John Gottman is a specialist in marriage and family therapy and uh, done a lot of research when it comes to marriages and families and what makes them work and not work. I do not agree with everything that Dr. Gottman proposes, but he has made a lot of uh, interesting discoveries. And one of the things that he discovered in his, uh, in his studies is that couples in their interactions succeed in marriage when they learn, when the husband and wife learn to lean into each other and to really make sure that they are toward the person when they're interacting. A very simple thing, but instead of turning away, they turn toward. When someone, when one of the the spouses, the husband or the wife, makes an initiative to interact, the other person turns toward. Instead of turning away or ignoring, there's an engagement in the process, a physical turning toward as well as an emotional turning toward. It's one of the seven secrets of lasting relationships. It's very simple, but it's something that everyone can do. Because when you turn your back on someone that's talking to you, what have you communicated to them? You've communicated, I'm not interested in what you're saying. All these are simple things, but very powerful things. Here's the third one. Give encouragement to the speakers. When someone is sharing something with you, not only are you to be looking at them and present in the room, but engage them. Shake your head as they're talking. Engage them. Tell me more. What did you mean by that? It's called minimal encouragers. That's why pastors will often say, give me a big Amen. Why, what am I doing? I'm asking for some encouragement because I'm going to preach better and you're going to hear more whenever you're engaged in the process. And I will tell you, a pastor always preaches better when he gets a few amens here and there. Amen. Can I get a big amen? All right. Okay. Now, here's the next one. Restate, seek clarification. 
This is a great practice that after someone has shared something with you, before you share back with them, you restate what you've heard them say. Let's say, for example, my wife is talking about, about something that's now going to require a response from me. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say, honey, now before I, I share my thoughts on this, let me see if I understood what you said. Did you say, am I hearing you correctly? And I share with her what I heard because that gives her an opportunity to clarify for me what I heard or didn't hear. Maybe I didn't hear the right way or hear exactly what she meant for me to hear. And I misinterpreted it in some way. And so there's a little negotiation moment that allows us to have that time in the relationship interaction. So that now when I respond, I'm responding and she knows that I've heard her. And now she's willing to listen to what I have to say as well. So you restate and you seek clarification. Next one is shut down your internal response planning. Here's what I mean by that. Here's what we tend to do. As soon as someone else starts talking we tend to go into response mode. We, we stop really listening to them and our brain by default goes into what are we going to say as soon as they shut up, okay? okay. As soon as they get through saying whatever they're gonna say, now I know what I'm gonna say. And it's especially, it, it happens most frequently when we picked up a hot button item that they've spoken, okay? Remember last week I talked about when your spouse says, you always do this, well, you don't hear anything else. All you hear is always, okay? And so your mind goes into all the times you didn't do what they said you did do always, okay? And so you're into this response planning mode that happens. And so you have to shut that down. You've got to say, I'm not going to go there. And here's the next one. Make sure that you shut down also your need to top the talker. What do I mean by that? You've all experienced this before. You're, you're talking about something that happened in your life. Maybe you had an automobile accident. You tell a friend, oh, my goodness, this was a terrible automobile accident. I broke my leg, and, boy, it was so painful in rehab. And they said, well, that's nothing. I had an accident. I broke both of my legs, broke my back, broke my leg. And so, okay. And suddenly yours is not a big deal anymore, right? Okay. So, I guess I can't top that. I only had one leg broken. Okay, okay. So, so we tend to always want to be on top. You, you hurt me. Well, that's nothing. You, you need to know how much you hurt me. Okay. You, think I, you think you hurt? You ought to know how much I hurt. Okay. Okay. You see the top, the talker thing that goes on? See, this is the way we live our lives. And so what happens is we talk over one another and at one another instead of with one another because of our listening and abilities. And then listen for common ground. Anytime that you're having a conversation, don't listen for the differences. Listen for where we can find commonality. Part of the problem with our culture today is everybody's listening for differences. And there's a lot of commonalities that we can share together if we'll listen for them. Amen? In this room today, we got all kind of different opinions about all kind of different things. But you know what we have in common? Why are we here today? Because we believe Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that He died on the cross to save us from our sins. We believe that He shed His blood to give us entrance into heaven. I might like green and you might like blue, but guess what? We're all the same at the foot of the cross, right? That's our commonality. And so the point is we build on what is common. And so if you're always magnifying your differences... All you'll ever see is, is a difference, and all will ever happen out of that difference will be distance in your relationship. So look for common ground. Let's go now to our third and final point today, 
And that's really a part of realizing this reconciliation, this uh, listening oftentimes results or needs to result in reconciliation because that also is a key interpersonal skill that you'll need in your life. Because there's going to be times when people are hurt and you have a problem in a relationship. And so you have to know how to deal with it when you find there is a problem to resolve it, to move on from your hurts. Now, Let me talk about reconciliation just for a moment. What does this word mean? I'm going to give you the basic definition. You can look it up in the dictionary. But here's what reconciliation means. It means to restore to friendship. Or to restore a friendship. It's to take people that have become enemies and make them friends again. That's what it means to reconcile. Okay, that's the power of this word. To take people who are at odds and bring them back in unity and harmony once again. This is exactly what Jesus did for you and me. Look at the scriptures in Romans 5.10. For if while we were God's enemies, we weren't his friends, we were God's enemies. We were, what's the word here? Reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? What does this scripture tell us? The scripture says that while we were enemies of God, God did something to reconcile us to himself. He took the initiative. We were not going to God, but God came to us. How did he come to us? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not, be, will not perish but have everlasting life. And so God took a step toward us. God in flesh came down into our world. Anybody thankful for Jesus today? The fact that he took initiative in our direction when we were enemies of God. And so now we're able to be friends with God because of what Christ did for us. He took the initiative so we could be reconciled. And not only are we to be reconciled to God, but we're also to be reconciled to one another. Jesus taught this. Look with me at part of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, let's stop there for a moment. So therefore, if you're in church really worshiping God, If you're offering your gift at the altar, because the altar represents the corporate gathering of worship. And there, remember, it comes into your mind that your brother or sister has something against you. I would parenthetically add there. Or you have something against them. That there's a break in a relationship in some area of your life. And you remember this while you're worshiping. Notice the instruction of Jesus. Leave your gift there in front of the altar What's the next word? First, go and be reconciled to them. Go and what? Be. What does reconciled mean? To restore what? Friendship to them. Then come and offer your gift. Jesus said this. He said, you're at church worshiping. You got your hands up. You're already into the second song. And man, the glory of God is coming upon your life. You just experiencing God's presence. And then you remember, oh my goodness. So-and-so is mad at me about this. We have an offense. We have a break in our relationship. Or I'm mad at them. I'm really hurt by them. And I've got something in my heart against so-and-so. Jesus said, stop your worship. Now, would you agree with me? That's pretty serious. Stop your worship. 
and go and be reconciled. Now, if we really believe this, about halfway through the second song, church would probably clear out, right? Okay? There'd be a lot of people moving around. But we don't really believe this. But Jesus said, this is the best way to live. First, go and be reconciled. Go and restore friendship to someone that you haven't had a friendship with. Something's become between you and them. Restore that. Reconcile that. And then come back. And what are you to do? Re-engage in your worship. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart. Something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.